Welcome to Scrolling, a podcast about the Elder Scrolls Online. I'm Ket. I'm Davius. This is episode number 65. talk about some pve some player versus enemies player versus the environment there we go i think it's good i think it's a good thing i like it davius how do you feel about it i feel good about it i like it as well (laughs) well i have good news for you because the undaunted (laughs) event is upon us there it is by the time listeners are hearing this then it's it's already live but for us uh recording this it's going to be the day after tomorrow So Thursday, November 18th through uh, Tuesday, November 30th, Uh, the Undaunted event will be going on. What happens during the Undaunted event is uh, whenever you defeat a a final boss in any dungeon, uh, then that boss is going to drop a special, like, treasure box. And that can contain treasure maps, surveys, vendor items, crafting materials, style pages, Undaunted keys, uh, and more. (laughs) And more. But wait. Uh, But wait. (laughs) And then the first time you defeat a final boss uh, each day, just once per account, uh, the first final boss you defeat will drop an extra special reward box. And it basically has all the all the stuff that the the normal reward box has, but it's also guaranteed to have the opal uh, weapon styles. I'm not actually a big fan of the opal, opal styles, to be honest with you. I like them. And maybe maybe you're in the same boat here. I like them. But I don't like them on any of my characters. Like I think they're cool looking when I just look at them, but like I don't, I can't fit them into my my characters look. I I think the opalescent kind of uh, effect is neat, but uh, my issue with them is kind of the issue that I have with a lot of those fancy weapons, which is like the the glowy effect is the only cool thing about it, and the actual weapon itself. I don't think uh, is all that interesting point. looking. Great point. Uh, and that's what I would be way more interested in is just like ordinary weapons that don't glow and don't do any of that stuff. But like just the weapon itself looks really cool. Like, man, there's not a single axe in this game yeah, that I think looks good. One. And which is crazy because that's the, that seems like a weapon you could pre pretty easily like exaggerate yeah. to this crazy looking. We just don't have it. Yeah. There's only a couple of malls that I think are really interesting looking. A lot of, a lot of them are just really basic and the the glowy effect, I'd rather just have a cool looking weapon. Anyway, uh, undaunted event. Uh, <laughs> Get ready, it's exciting. Uh, also, when you whenever you uh, complete veteran hard mode of some specific dungeons, um, then those will have a chance, not guaranteed, but a chance to drop uh, an opal monster mask style. Uh, for the mass that drops in that dungeon. So that is uh, Chokethorn from Elden Hollow 1, Iceheart from Dire Frost Keep, uh, Lord Warden from Imperial City Prison, Nightflame from Elden Hollow 2, and Swarm Mother from Spindleclutch 1. Uh, with with the exception of Imperial City Prison, those are all vanilla dungeons. A hard mode on those, you can hardly even call it hard mode, honestly. Yeah, it should be pretty easy. I would say that I, I think... I'm trying to think of all those in my head. I think Lord Warden, I would say, is the coolest, but... Lord Warden's cool. Grizzly Khan says uh, Chokethorn is new. Chokethorn is actually really could be interesting because that's like a big kind of it could really catches your attention, you know, and especially if it has that opalescent finish on it, that could be really like crazy looking. Yeah, that would be pretty wild. You'll also earn event tickets and you can use those to buy stuff from the Impresario. Uh, the Impresario will also be selling these styles, so you can also just get a hold of them that way. I'm sure you can find them at Guild Traders for sale as well, so if you 
If you really want them, there are multiple ways to get a hold of them, uh, and you can see more details about the Undaunted event at ElderScrollsOnline.com. Just click on the News tab, and you can see all the details there, but that's pretty much it. You just get the reward boxes, and it's really all about getting those Opal-style pages. That's kind of the main reward that's being offered. Yeah. Those things, uh, in the past when they've had those, those things can sell for a pretty penny. That's I usually always struggle, like, do I want to actually learn this thing, or do I want to sell this thing for the insane amount of gold? Uh, GrizzlyCon, quick correction, says that uh, Imperial City has been added to the base game, so I guess that's technically not a... Uh, a DLC, but that final boss fight is a bit more challenging, I think, than than the others in that list there. Although it has been nerfed, I think I haven't. I don't think I've done that dungeon since that final boss fight has been nerfed. I think they did something with those portals, or they nerfed that one along with um, White Gold Tower, right? Those two both kind of got the nerf around the same time. Probably some old school dungeons right there. There was a maintenance patch this week. Uh, not much interesting except uh, one thing around the curated set drops. Um, so this is actually pretty interesting. Bosses that drop specially named set items now drop those as a bonus drop alongside their curated set items uh, rather than in place of them. So, um, for example, the Mage Master's Signet, is a, it's from the Shroud of the Lich set, right? And... You could get Ring of the Lich, or you could get Mage Master's Signet, right? And that's a that's a named item that comes from a specific boss, the Mage Master, and, and only that boss drops it. So if you get that drop from that boss, you'll get the Mage Master's Signet, um, plus you'll get another drop from that boss that actually is part of the, the curated kind of system. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool change, and it it's really nice because a lot of those uh, named items are weapons, even. Uh, and yep. weapons are kind of seem like the tougher thing to get right now. So anything to make those a little bit easier, I think is pretty, pretty great. Yeah. And if you get both of those drops, you know, uh, bind them both and that's just, you know, now you're two steps closer to yeah. getting to whatever piece you're trying to farm out. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. It's really neat. It's a cool little change. Yeah. That was really the only interesting thing from the maintenance patch, but that, that's pretty cool. Man. They're, they're really making things smooth for, uh, for farming out gear. And we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, here in a little bit later. More PVE talk. Uh, the Deadlands DLC. Uh, we've completed it, right? Davies, you're yeah. all done. I'm all done. 100% zone, guide. Zone, com- zone completion. 100% yep. done. All the icons are white. I had to, I had to double check. There were a couple of crafting stations I hadn't visited. They, they had black icons. <laughs> I had to go turn them white real quick. Got and, to go figure that out. Yeah. Man, I was I was surprised with how much I enjoyed this. Um, I think I say this almost every every DLC release. <laughs> like my my first impression is like okay, it seems kind of okay, and then just it pulls me in, and the further I go, the the more I like it, all the way to the end. And that's kind of how this went for me. Yeah, I would even say about this one for me is that I was probably I would say the least interested in actually doing this storyline, but. It may have been, I'd have to really think about it, but it, it's probably up there towards the top of the storylines for me. I was very happy that uh, I actually went and did it uh, because I was kind of planning on avoiding it or at least putting it off for a while uh, just because I, I wasn't super interested in the whole, you know, it seemed very heavy in the Daedra, Dramora theme and I was kind of like, eh, okay. Um, 
But, I, you know, as crazy as it is, that ended up being my favorite part about it is diving into that. I loved learning about They went details. in some really interesting directions with yeah with all with that stuff and the and the zone was more interesting than it seems on the surface as well yep, like you first poured in so. you first poured in you look around you're like okay lava i get it uh but you start looking around you get into those nooks and crannies it's actually a pretty interesting zone there's some really interesting uh looking areas some of the landscapes are you know they have that kind of horrifying look to them but they're also this really cool looking and there is a certain kind of horrific beauty to them as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the zone was really neat. And I, I was kind of surprised to find, you know, I think of the deadlands, I'm, I'm envisioning this just sort of total barren landscape, like no, no life can live here. Um, but you get there and you, you start running around and you, you explore and you find these little pockets of communities of people yeah. living there and eking out an existence and, you know, in their own way, kind of living a normal life. I, I, I just thought I, I was surprised to find that the Deadland Zone is a place where people actually live. Yeah, the the lore, getting a glimpse into that lore was surprisingly really, really cool and really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. The dialogue on this quest, this storyline was fantastic. They did a great job um, with the dialogue and the NPCs. Yeah, I thought there were a lot of really good lines. I thought uh, all of the voice acting, for the most part, was really uh, entertaining. They really like captured my attention. I was paying attention to what they were saying most of the time. Um, Madam Wim, I think, I think this is a new character, right? We haven't seen her before. I I believe so. You know, it's and in, in the Elder Scrolls lore, it's difficult. There's so much, but I believe believe Madam Wim. She seems like one that we will probably see again. I feel like a lot of effort went into like the character design and you can tell that voice actor is really good. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like this is a character they've invested in and will probably come back in the future in one way or another. That's probably a a mainstay NPC going forward. Yeah. Uh, She's pretty cool. I kind of like her. She just kind of trades in secrets, you know, that's like her currency. You don't, she doesn't, she's not interested in gold. Don't pay me gold. Just what, what do you know? Tell me what you know. And, uh, I think that's really cool. Grizzly Khan says, like Merk Meyer, they did a great job in the Deadlands, uh, making the zone feel actively dangerous and traverse. Yes, that's something I wanted to, to mention as well. Absolutely. Uh, except they kind of dialed it up a bit in that regard, I think, uh, in certain areas. But yeah, there's like um, these like fire explosions happening randomly. There's like lightning yeah. strikes happening. There's poisonous plants. There's those like floating eyeball tentacle dudes just floating overhead, just kind of, you know, just creeping me out. Uh, It's a, it it definitely is a unique zone and it's its own thing. I was kind of expecting like a Cold Harbor clone, uh, but it really isn't that at all. It's got its own vibe going for sure. Yeah. Really, really well done. High quality. Anyway, Madam Wim, she's a she's a dark seducer. If you were wondering like what type of Daedra she is, that's the, that's what she is. It's kind of hot. Right, I think I think there's probably going to be some people expressing some uh, romantic interest in uh, in Madame Wim. <laughs> so, so who was who was your favorite NPC? Can you can we say can we say our favorites? Is that is it too much of a spoiler? Probably Larynth is my my the one I was most intrigued by, and the one that yeah. I was most looking forward to, like talking to her again and seeing what's going on there. That makes sense. But she's next on our list, Larynth the Dramora. Um, man, I just 
I don't even know what to think about her. I don't want to give away any spoilers. It's kind of hard. We kind of, <laughs> we talked about it openly last night, right? Just yeah. off the record. And um, it's hard to talk about it, how, how we really feel about Lyrinth without giving away some really crucial stuff towards the end of the storyline. And I'm sure there's people who haven't finished it yet, but uh, she really threw me for a loop, man. She uh, yeah. I, That's something I can say. She threw me for a major loop. Indeed. I will say... If you haven't gotten to the end yet, uh, after the climax is over and you're just kind of wrapping up with everybody, that final conversation you have with Larenth there in uh, in Fargrave, uh, I would strongly recommend checking out some of those optional dialogue lines mm. uh, and and really exploring what's going on there. Uh, she's a character with a, a lot more depth than I think she's been given in the past as far yeah. as the writing goes. Um and some of the stuff she said about like where she's going and what her motives are, like going into the future is, uh, was very, very interesting to me. And Davis, you said, I think I kind of disagree with you on this. And it's interesting how this can be interpreted so completely okay. oppositely. But when we were talking last night, you said they thought they were setting her up to be like a major character that returns later. And I kind of felt the opposite. I kind of felt like she was saying goodbye for a while, like kind of telling me you're probably not going to see me again for, for a while. Interesting. Uh, and I even there was a uh, an optional dialogue option that asked, "Will I see you again?" or something like that. And she gave a very ambiguous answer. Of course, it wasn't yes or no, but it. I don't know. I kind of got the sense that the writers were trying to tell me, like, "Hey, don't expect to see her again anytime soon." But I don't know. Yeah, I stand. I stand by it. I think we're seeing her again. I think. Scrolling podcast at gmail dot com is Lyrinth <laughs> coming back or not? <laughs> Anyway, moving on from Larenth. So she's a Dramora and she's all like weird and coy and deceptive and all this stuff. But our other buddy, Rinkaius, also a Dramora. And he made me realize that Larenth is not a good representation of Dramora actually she's not at normal. all. <laughs> yeah. She, and, and if you look her up, like if you go to UESP and look up Larenth and read about her, the very first line, she's an outcast Dramora. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so she's, she's not the norm. Rinkaius, I don't know if he's the norm or not, but, uh, he is so different from Lyrith, a totally different vibe from this guy. So whereas Lyrith is all kind of like deceptive and you don't know what her motives are or anything like that. Rinkaius is like a, just like a solid, straightforward dude. I feel like he's just like a trusted ally that I can count on in a, in a time of need. He's like the samurai Dramora. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's very like stoic. honorable, very, yeah. I have to say, Rinkaius was my favorite. I'll say that, that Larenth, I think, was the best made and had the best dialogue, but Rinkaius was my, my favorite uh, NPC. Uh, he just seems like a solid dude. Now, Grizzly Khan is saying, don't trust Dramora ever. And that's probably good <laughs> advice. That's probably not bad. I don't know. He He felt earnest and sincere to me every single step of the way. I never... Outside of the initial, like, okay, I'm talking to a Dramora here, so. <laughs> but it really didn't take long for him to to kind of make me trust him. And really, I never questioned it a second time at all uh, throughout the whole time. And he seems like someone we'll probably see again. And I think, I think we'll probably, that'll continue to be the case. He seems like someone that's always going to be an ally going forward. Yeah. The best character in the whole thing, Arox <laughs> the Mutilator. He's going to be the crowd favorite for sure. Oh, man. This dude, I hope he comes back for future stuff. This dude is hilarious. Arox the Mutilator. He's like this um, 
this warrior, this great warrior, right? That uh, <laughs> he's being he's being punished for something. I don't remember what, but basically he's being forced to to live in the form of this Daedric rat, and he's just this little rat, but he can still talk. And he's just the voice actor is hilarious. He did such yeah. a great job with this dude. He kept saying things like. If I were in my true form, I'd smash them to little pieces. And just the way he would deliver those lines and stuff was so hilarious. He he's honestly my favorite like comedy NPC since the skull from uh, the Sigic Order. I'd have to say. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that dude's great too. The the auger. Yes. So anyway, A rocks, and apparently, I some I guess my undiagnosed ADHD caused me to miss this or whatever, but. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, Davis, you were telling me he actually does change into his true form towards the there's, end of the of the story, and I just a bit. I just missed it, I guess, or <sighs> I just didn't realize that that's what was happening, and I was probably like looking at my phone or something <laughs> while it was happening. It's good. It's great. It's a bummer you missed it. I might have to play through the whole thing on a different character just to see that, because I really like this dude, and that would have been yeah. cool to see, because he's always talking about his true form, so like, let's see it, buddy. All right. Yeah, let's see it happen. Um, he was cool. I think, I think he'll probably come back in one way or another. He'll probably be like a small thing, but I'm kind of thinking of like those crows that are from, uh, that one, um, public dungeon that, that came back in, uh, in, in one of the expansions recently. Yeah. I was reading a pretty cool idea of, um, what if they brought him back as a, a companion? Ooh, a companion or Grizzly Khan is suggesting a house guest, which which sounds really cool Both too. Would be very cool, or like a merchant, which could also function as a house guest, sort of. Yeah, a companion would be hilarious though to actually have. <laughs> yeah, and he has like lines and yeah. stuff that he says. And you could you could like actually use him to attack things. Oh, I would love it too if like when you're getting in fights with mobs, you're just yelling out these battle cries <laughs> and stuff. <Yeah>. And- <laughs> Oh, they should good. do that. I would pay 10,000 crowns for that. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Easy. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. Evely Sharp Arrow. This is a character also, like Lyrinth, really won me over in this storyline. And this is a character yep. that I've kind of always been sort of enamored with Lyrinth. But Evely, I've kind of not really liked her that much in the past, honestly. I've always found her kind of... I don't know, just a little overly cheery and just kind of corny a lot of the time. But I feel like the writers and the voice actress really did this character justice this go around. And by the end of the the quest and the story, I was I was friends with Evelyn. I really enjoyed yeah. her company. I enjoyed some of the conversations that we had. She really is a very sweet, earnest character. Uh, and that final conversation, uh, again, I strongly recommend exploring some of those optional dialogue options. Yeah, she was touching in a way you know yeah. like she like i really got the impression that she thinks of me as a friend and she will be there for me when i need her to be uh and i'm going to be there for her too you know yeah. Evelyn's cool it uh i think you make a great point whereas she kind of early on she was this really you know supposed to be this kind of nice but it kind of came off as maybe a little corny or a little little cheesy mm-hmm. uh she's kind of really evolved into she's just become like this She's probably the most wholesome NPC character that you interact with, I think. Yeah, she's uh, very it's wholesome. safe to say. But it's it's they've done so much better with the dialogue and, and like you said, the voice actress that it it's not really cheesy or corny anymore. It's just wholesome now. It's pretty cool. Yeah, they've really kind of 
I don't know, sanded the edges off and, and smoothed that character out. And she's cool. And I, uh, I, I actually am looking forward to whenever we see her again. I, I think yeah. it'll, it'll be fun. Last and probably also least, uh, <laughs> the, the anchorite, uh, very central to the story. And I think as a, as a plot device, it's, it's a, she's a cool concept, you know, just yeah. for the story. But the the character itself is almost like a blank slate. You know? We just didn't like, get to know this character. You just you just you just don't really get to know this one. Yeah, there just wasn't it's a lot there. there. I don't really, I don't. I have like very neutral feelings about the anchorite as a person. Uh, story wise, I, I thought it was cool. You know, the way the story kind of revolved around her yeah. and how she fit into everything, and the and the way things resolved with her were, were interesting. But that could have just been anyone in in her place, and it would have been equally interesting. Yeah. Not terrible, but just didn't really stand out. The other yeah. NPCs stood out very strongly, and that one just never really was at that same level. And I wonder if she's just kind of a throwaway character, like just for this story, and now and now that's it, uh, or if they actually are planning to do more with her. I don't know. I kind of feel like the former is what it seems like. You just think all these characters are just disappearing forever. Making room for <laughs> new ones. they got to make room for Madam <laughs> Wim and... Uh, and Rinkaius, he's got to be new too, right? I've never seen him before. Give me Rinkaius as a companion too. That would be pretty Dude, awesome. he'd be cool. He'd be, yeah. Yeah, when are we getting more companions? Seems like we, we should be getting some more companions with the with these DLCs, right? I bet you... Still still just the original two is all we have. Yeah, I bet you the, the big expansion launch, like the one big launch a year, I bet that's going to come with companions. I, would, I was expecting them to be popping up in the Crown Store like every month, you know, like here's a new companion. I mean, people will buy those things. I don't... Yeah. It seems like they'd be some, going nuts money, with that. Man. Money to be made there, it would seem. I'd like, like to see... Since we're seeing everyone's companions all the time, I'd like to see some variety so that it's yeah. not just the same two all the time. Since you can't hide their head, their their heads or anything. Yeah, we need we they, we need. It'll be really cool when we have enough to where it actually is kind of a diverse group. Yeah, that you see. Let's get those companions that I never use. <laughs> uh, I feel very strongly about it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. And ultimately, I just thought, just just back to the the Deadland story. I just thought it was a really cool idea overall that you're like allying yourself with these Daedric beings, you're befriend, befriending yeah. these Daedric beings, fighting against mortals a lot of the time, you know, and and just seeing these new these new perspectives on what these beings are like, uh, like like you were talking to me last night, Davis, about some conversations you remember having about like how just being a mortal totally changes their perspective on things and the yeah. things that we might be thinking like what what was it weren't you saying something about how they like or dislike something or something yeah, like that? that was some of my favorite parts is the of the dialogue is your character would always say something about like oh you seem not to like her or you seem to really like that and that it was just they did such a good job with the dialogue where the npc would be like mortal like how many times do i have to explain this to you we don't think in likes or dislikes like that doesn't exist to us like it was just cool that they did the dialogue did such a good job of like really making me believe like these immortal beings think totally differently than we ever would. I just yeah. thought they did such a cool job with that. And it's neat that we're in a setting where we can have that conversation. Yeah. We're not just killing each other on site like has yeah. been our experience uh, <laughs> yeah. most of the time. Yeah, that's um, a great point. Pretty cool. Uh, I was I was really surprised. Like like I said when. 
when like the name was revealed, the Deadlands, I in my mind I was picturing something just very kind of boilerplate, uh, kind of from the mold sort of thing. But uh, they were a lot more creative with it than I was expecting. I really enjoyed it. My only complaint, my one complaint, is I thought the the main story was a bit too short, and really the overall zone I completed it uh, more quickly than I thought I should have, especially considering there's no arena. If if there's no arena, I think there needs to be more story for me to to get into. Yeah. Um, but the writers might think of that as a, as a good thing. Always leave them wanting more, you know? So maybe, <laughs> maybe go. that's a good thing. Yeah. Just, uh, they did a great job. They did a great job with the level of importance. I feel like that you feel as you're going through it. Like it, it really reaches epic level of heights of importance. I thought they did a good job with that. Uh, and I really love what they're doing now with NPCs and zone interaction with the main quest line, I really think that they've got, they're onto some pretty cool stuff there with just everything meshing together really well. Yeah. Um, oh, and the, the Mayroon's Dagon fight, I guess we could say a, say a thing or two about that. It happened. I was there. They don't know uh, that they fight Mayroon. <laughs> no, the, the, the creators told us that there was going to be a Mayroon's Dagon fight. So that's not a spoiler. We all already knew that. Uh, like they told us straight up, there will be a final confrontation, but, um, I don't know. I thought Marin's Dagon looked really cool, and like the way that that scene was framed was really cool. I did not yeah. find the fight itself all that interesting, to be quite honest. Really, that, I yeah. would actually probably say that's my favorite story boss fight in the game. Now, it might be mine too, just based on the visuals, because it did look cool. <laughs> it looked amazing. Uh, but like the the fight itself was just you just activate this synergy the the animation for that special attack was really really cool you're just talking about the mechanics yeah just like there wasn't yeah. it wasn't it wasn't they challenging it they played it safe on the mechanics i think that they i don't think that we'll see challenging boss fights at least in story stuff in story stuff boss fights are just not going to be uh that challenging I don't necessarily need it to be challenging, maybe just more interesting, because I felt like this one was just like activate a synergy to break his guard, then you can attack him until he's invincible, and then you have to activate the synergy to make him yeah. not invincible again, so you can attack him. And uh, I thought they could have made that a little more interesting. Again, there there was no arena, and the story was kind of short. They could have they could have pizzazzed that up a little <laughs> bit, I think. See, I'm I'm just all about the visuals. The visuals did it for the me. Visuals so were I don't cool. even I don't even care about the, the mechanics of it. <laughs> you are right. The visuals I, I agree, visuals are very cool. So what do you think they're gonna do next year? What's what's next year's year of what do you think they're gonna do? Any ideas? I man, I don't know. They they're doing a good job of keeping us guessing. I feel like last time we guessed that it's gotta be a DC zone, right? At some point they've gotta give Anything but EP at this point, I would yeah. say. Well, which I mean, we're we're Ebonheart people, but we love like it. we've gotten we're, so much. We're getting a little spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I honestly have no idea. I will say I'm going to throw one out there that I would like to see. Uh, don't know if it'll happen. Don't think it'll happen. But I would love to see some sort of intense storyline with uh, Shiagorath. That character's great. Uh -huh. He's hilarious. He's, cool. He's great. I would love to see a whole story dedicated around him or some story about him or something. I think that would be really cool. And he's a he's a fan favorite, too. That would be yeah. a, a home run. Easy. Yeah. I think that that would. Yeah. They're getting money off of it. We're all going to love it. I think it would be pretty great. I, uh, 
I would like to see something centered around Redguard. I think that's something I've kind of been thinking of for a while now is I think there's a ton of potential with Redguard. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they've ever done anything uh, really focused on them. Uh, Redguard have a kind of like that Aladdin Arabian Nights kind of yeah. aesthetic, you know, which I think, you know, with, with, with this team's modern capabilities of, of designing a zone in a city and all that, like they could, they could do some really cool stuff with that kind of aesthetic. That could be I think a really cool city. And it would be a great time to buff the actual race of red guard. Cause they are <laughs> not great. <laughs> yeah. You forget that they even <laughs> exist. Don't yeah. you like, uh, but also another great opportunity there is uh, Red Guards are descendants of Yokuda, which is uh, where the Sword Singers come from. So there could be like a way, lore-wise, to like make a new skill line or, or a that new would be weapon rework or something cool. like that. Oof, I would love that. I feel like there's a ton of cool potential with Red Guard, and they're they're an interesting race. They have they have a cool history. I, I really like that kind of aesthetic. Uh, and yeah, that sword singer skill line. There, I think there's some there's some there's potential there. there. There's yeah. definitely something there. That would be pretty cool. That's what I like to see. Also, I feel like wood elf. There hasn't really been any focus on wood elves, and they're weird. And I think there could they be are. some they're, some really interesting stuff there. Living big old trees. Mm-hmm. Grizzly Khan wants magic a melee, please. I agree. Yeah, I agree. That would be pretty great. It it would be nice if. You could totally choose, like, you could be a Magicka spec and totally choose any weapon whatsoever and, and fully benefit from the passives. That would be really nice. Yeah. That's actually an interesting idea with them being very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? With with them making sets work both ways and... Uh-huh, the hybridization. Thank you. Uh-huh. For them going really hybrid, boy, that would be that would be an insane if they made the, the weapon skill trees kind of be more hybrid like that'd be pretty yeah wild. they've kind of halfway done it with the passives uh but they haven't gone all the way uh and it feels like that's just kind of like that final little cherry on top for hybridization before it's just like a free-for-all do whatever you want anything goes and it yeah. seems like that's something that's probably on the table i bet that just feels something like that it should happen at some point yeah so anyway, that's that's the Deadlands. That's our final thoughts on the Deadlands. I thought it was great. It was great. <laughs> it was great. They did a great job. Really Too short, it. but good. Yeah. And I, like I said, I from starting off being not very interested in it to when it's all said and done, I really, really liked it. And I'd rank it up there near the top. I think that yeah. for me, that showed like just how well done it actually was. And. And the characters really made it, you know, that's, yeah. I think what's, what's so cool about it is it, it's really like the characters carried the whole thing on their shoulders, the voice acting, the writing, yep. all of that came together really nicely. It was fantastic. Even more PVE talk. This is like a PVE episode here, except there's actually going to be quite a bit of PVP talk as well. We're PVEers. Yeah, we're PVE. Look at us. Look PVE at us go. And Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ben, uh, taking advantage of this new RNG system, doing a little bit of set farming. Guess what? I have, I now am, I'm the proud owner of a burning spell weave, Inferno Staff. And you're loving it. I'm loving it. I really enjoy it. Here's what's funny. So this patch dropped and I'm thinking like, all right, I'm finally going to go farm out this burning spell weave, Inferno Staff. It might take a few runs, but I'm committed. I'm going to do it. First run. 
got it on the first run. <laughs> I didn't even get it. It was the tank in the group that got it, and I couldn't believe they were willing to give it to me. Uh, I gladly accepted Are you sure? it. Sure. So, yeah, thank you, kind stranger. Uh, but yeah, first run, and I got it. Uh, so I didn't. I hardly even really benefited from the RNG you system. You don't know what it is to farm. <laughs> uh, well, I've I've farmed for that lots and lots and lots. Um, but yeah, I'll talk about my mag DK a little while later, but yeah, I, I did put that, I have equipped that on my mag DK. It's, it's working out really well. Probably going to keep using it. Um, I'm still working on farming out Zogvin's Warband. Uh, I have all the jewelry pieces. I got a lightning staff, but I need that Inferno staff, uh, for my mag blade. Uh, I wanted to talk about my experience farming for this set because, uh, it comes from Frost Vault, the Frost Vault dungeon and, um, uh, I hadn't really, anytime I've done that dungeon in the past, I've just kind of blasted through it and haven't really paid it, that much attention to it. But just doing it so many times, I've I've picked up on all the dialogue lines and stuff that the NPCs are, are saying along the way. And it's, it's freaking hilarious. That dungeon is actually like blessed crucible levels of hilarious. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the NPC's name, but there's this dude, the whole time you're going through the dungeon, he's like horrified that you're just slaughtering everything in sight and just being these murderous psychos. And he keeps saying stuff like, you're just going to kill everyone. And, and, and but you're like get halfway through it. And he's kind of resigned to it by that point. He's like, well, I guess we'll just kill him too. You know, <laughs> it's the complete opposite of Blessed Crucible is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Cause I, they never really addressed that in this game. How really, you're like a, a murderous rampaging psycho really you know uh, <laughs> these goblins are like sentient beings living in there for who knows how long we just waltz right on and just slaughter them all no uh, big deal yeah <laughs> just laughing along the way so uh, it's a pretty darn funny dungeon and actually a pretty fun dungeon too I, I like the design of it it's really not a very um long one to get through except for that um the boss the vault protector is the one he's like that um like mechanical automaton dude and when he when he gets to a certain below a certain amount of health he goes into this bubble and he becomes invincible and he does it like four times and it's the dumbest thing ever because if you have like any damage at all he just stays in that bubble uh, and you can't do anything there's like nothing happening while he's in that bubble there's like these little laser beams that you can avoid but the, the fight just stops and you just have to stand there until he's not in the bubble anymore. And then you can attack him. The moment you light attack him, he goes right back into the bubble because he's losing too much health. Ugh, that's that so great. The, the dungeon is like real, a really smooth, well-designed dungeon. And you get to that one boss and it's just like, like the brakes, you know, <laughs> screeching halt. It's like, all right, just, I literally like, ha I usually queue as a tank and it's like hands off the keyboard. I'm just, I'm looking at my phone and doing something else until this boss fight's over. I'll, I'll tap the, the taunt button from time to time. <laughs> um, but literally that's what I do during that fight. Really annoying. Otherwise I really like the dungeon. Um, so I hope, hope maybe someday they, they fix that. It's going to be a popular one. I feel like you're not the only one getting that Zogvin. So. Oh, I'm definitely not. Oh yeah. It, people are doing that thing all day, every day. Um, yeah, have you, you haven't really done any farming yet, have you, or have you? I haven't, I haven't really done any dungeon farming, but I did farm the Spalder of Ruin. Heck yeah, teabag set. Uh, I got, I'm running full teabag set. Um, <laughs> and it really wasn't too bad because I kind of just farmed it out while I was doing the, uh, the main quest storyline. Uh, -huh. uh, and it worked out really well because, you know, one of the, one of the leads is from the zone boss, you know, two of the drops are 
ones drop from any Dramora that you kill, which obviously you're fighting a lot uh, of Dramora. Yeah. One is from any clan fear. You're fighting a lot of clan fear. So it kind of if you if you plan to get that thing, just kind of go along with the uh, quest line. You'll do pretty good. Probably the only complaint I would have, uh, and I don't think it'll be an issue down the road, but uh, I read that on the dungeon boss lead drop, you have to... Not dungeon boss, I'm sorry. World boss lead drop. When you fight it and the, that world boss dies, you have to be in like the top 12 DPS uh, uh, in order to have a chance to have a chance to get the lead. And if you're not in that top 12, then you won't get the lead. Uh, right now, it's easier to do like a little later. Yes. Later on, that's not a problem. Right now, there's like 60 people hanging out waiting for that uh, world boss. And so, um, yeah, I had to farm him a couple of times. But I honestly, I was like, I don't know if I'm in the top 12. If I didn't get it because I just didn't get it or I didn't get it because I'm in the top 12. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I have no idea. I hope, <laughs> I hope that I'm uh, in the top 12. But I got it eventually. And uh, I'll talk more about that thing later on. But I am yeah. in love with how well uh, it's working out. Nice, dude. Uh, I also farmed a... Um mythic item as well it's not again not really part of the rng thing which is kind of what this segment is about but oh you're saying um, i messed it up <laughs> no 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 no. yeah yeah actually yeah no. yes actually totally yes. ruined the podcast and the rest of the episode's canceled Mike. <laughs> no um yeah i finally got the gaze of sithis helmet uh which uh, i'm going to talk about that with my mag blade here in a minute nice. but uh that thing was surprisingly not as much of a headache as I was expecting it to be. I think I just got lucky, but it, it didn't yeah, take me very long. Yeah, that's disappointing to hear because that thing was a massive headache for me, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it seems disappointing. I'm not disappointed that you're not miserable, but <laughs> you could be a little miserable. <laughs> I could see how a couple of those leads could definitely be a real pain. I just, I just happened to get lucky. But uh, yeah, I still got to get the Zogman's fire staff. I, I think I have like 15 maximum 15 runs to go if i'm extremely unlucky which so far seems like that's what i'm on track for oh i thought i would just say about the about this set farming thing um if you're kind of looking for some numbers here um so body and jewelry if you do a dungeon say you do a dungeon that has four bosses um then between like eight to ten runs you're going to have every single body and jewelry piece that that dungeon can possibly drop of all three sets so if you're farming anything but weapons, that's going to be a breeze. You know, ten, 10 runs or less, you're going to have everything. Uh, plus, people are a lot more willing to trade uh, non-weapon items. Yeah. Um, weapons, there are basically 39 total uh, weapons, and those only come from last bosses. Uh, so 39 runs to get every single weapon. Oof. That's a little bit. Um, I wish they would make the weapons drop from any boss. I wish they would just kind of... Yeah, not make that just the last boss. It could be a nice little fix. There might someone might correct me on this. There might be some named weapons that come from other bosses. I'm I'm not sure about that, but uh, yeah, weapons are supposed to be special. You know, I, I kind of get it. There are people in zone chat selling guaranteed drops. <laughs> that one's interesting to me. 
That is interesting. So they, they've they've collected everything but say like the Zogman's Inferno staff, and so guaranteed their next run <clears throat> they're going to get that Zogman's Inferno staff, and so they'll they'll be advertising in Zone Chat, you know, fifty million for a guaranteed Zogman's drop. That's wild. Uh, and the thing is, they can keep doing that as long as they trade it yeah. to that person every single time and don't bind it to their account. They can keep getting that guaranteed drop again and again and again and sell it to whoever's willing to pay. I wouldn't be surprised if they get people to bite on that too, because people really want that that staff. That's a very clever idea. That's that's some real bureaucrats in the SO world right there. Oh yeah, they're making bank. <laughs> I thought I'd mention the fact that during this uh farming, this dungeon farming, I've been queuing as a fake tank. I'll admit it. Uh <laughs> but uh it's out in the open. Can't go back now. I mean but, you still have some editing, but <laughs> Yeah, I still have some editing. But what is a fake tank, really? I, I have a taunt slotted, uh, and I don't die. I'm doing the normal version of the dungeon, so it's it's not that hard. But it is just a, my, my normal, straight-up DPS build, as is, except he, he puts a taunt on his back bar, uh, and that's my tank. Because uh, I want those fast cues, but I also want good DPS, and that's how I can do it. I, I don't die. I, I hold aggro. You know, I, I do an alright job. It's just not I'm, I'm not built as a tank. I think there's unwritten rules of dungeons and if it's a normal dungeon run fake tank of course that's very much allowed almost even as long as you are actually taunting and not dying as long as you're taunting it's probably even encouraged because it's gonna a normal run you're gonna get through quick even if there's low levels in there they're not gonna complain about getting through it quick so i haven't had any complaints i would say a normal dungeon or even a vanilla veteran dungeon Uh okay for a fake tank the only time I think a fake tank could cause issues is that we're talking a, a, a veteran DLC dungeon run. Mm-hmm. Then a fake tank's probably not going to work out. But every other time, yeah, I think that's almost even encouraged. Yeah, if you, if you can taunt and not die, I don't care. I don't care what else. Yeah, and the extra DPS you're bringing is actually helpful because it's, it's getting through there quicker. Yeah. I can say oh, yeah. on, on Davius, I have a real tank build. Like It's probably set up for DLC veteran dungeon runs. And when I do a normal dungeon or vanilla veteran dungeon on him, it's sometimes it's a nightmare because I'll get no DPS and he doesn't do DPS. He's made to just stay alive. And it's uh, it's some snail crawls sometimes. So, yeah, that's kind of the conclusion I came to because I made a tank a while back with the thought of being like, I'm going to make a tank so I can get those fast cues. So when I'm farming gear, it'll go quickly. But you quickly learn the plight of the tank and they're, they're not getting stuff done any faster than a DPS. You know, the DPS is spending all their time waiting in queue. Uh, the tank is spending all their time waiting on the crappy DPS to, to kill the boss. Uh, it's about the same amount of time overall, I would say in my experience. So anyway, not really a fake tank, but kind of. <laughs> That's enough PVE talk. That's a lot All of PVE right. talk. Let's we lied. Let's talk. We're not actually PVEers. <laughs> well, we talk kind about of are. PvP. <laughs> talk about a little PvP. Battlegrounds are back. They're back, people. Ooh. They're they're all the way back. Yeah. Uh, let the good times roll. They're fun. They're good. Now we'll say they're fun. They're great. They're they're the best maybe that they've ever been right now for you and me, Davius, and for for. For a lot of other people, not everyone's <laughs> happy right now. Uh, this this current queue situation where we have uh, deathmatch and uh, and a random queue for both group and solo, 
seems like a good idea, but if you happen to be a player who is mostly interested in playing objective modes, which a lot of players are, that's that's actually like realistically not really an option right now because when you queue up in the random queue, it's people are reporting it's like 80% deathmatch. Because uh, a lot of people are just straight queuing into deathmatch and any empty spots are getting filled from the random queue. So it's actually really difficult to get anything that isn't deathmatch in the random queue. So there are a, lot, are a lot of people I'm seeing on forums and zone chat and stuff like that. Some people are not super stoked about that. I will say amongst our community of people that we play with and we do battlegrounds with, we're totally jazzed about the current situation. <laughs> no, no complaints at all. We're liking it. But... I would prefer it if everyone could be happy. Again, like I said in the last ep- last episode, my wish would be to just go back to the old queue system before they were split up. And I think, I think the most people were happy at that time. Yeah, it seems, it seems logical to go back to that. I don't know if they can actually do that. If they would let them admit themselves to going full circle like that, but it uh, it worked. Yeah, I feel like the old system, I mean, we've already, we've been we've it's a dead horse that we're beating at this point, but <laughs> I think the old system did a good enough job of keeping the solos and the groups separated yeah. more or less. Um maybe maybe some uh, some exceptions here and there, but I I always felt like I was getting a fair shake most of the time. Um but anyway, we don't have to rehash all of that. Um crit on proc sets. Um Last episode, it had only been a day since the patch had dropped, and at that time we said doesn't seem to really be an issue. Uh, it's been two weeks since then, and I still I still feel that way. Crit on proc sets yeah. doesn't seem to be a big problem. I think it's it seemingly is okay. Yeah, the only time I've I've noticed that it really has an impact is uh, from Stamblade gankers that are coming out of stealth with that guaranteed crit, and they'll have like Kalurian's legacy or something like that, and. And they can take you out very quickly with a setup like that. And I've yeah. noticed that a couple of times. But, you know, Nightblades are going to figure out how to gank one way or another, whether it's with the proc set or not. It's it's You're going to get ganked. So Ganker's going to gank. You know? Ganker's going to gank. <laughs> and the, the potential of a setup like that is greatly mitigated by this uh, burst proc cooldown thing, yeah. which we actually forgot to mention on last week's episode when we did the the feature roundup uh, for the DLC. Um, but remember the thing where uh, burst damage proc sets, uh, they suppress each other, right? Uh, so if you have multiple proc uh, or most multiple equipped, then only one per second can, yeah. can proc. You can't stack it all at once anymore, which is probably a huge reason why the crit on the proc sets isn't seeming so yes. devastating. I think that's exactly it. The fact that that they made that change, but also added the crit. It did, it kind of balances out and and feels about like it did before, as far as like the the environment's volatility and that sort of stuff, which is not bad. I don't think right now at all. Um, another kind of feature of the current BG's meta is uh, it seems like this might be a DK meta. I'm actually not sure if that's the case <laughs> or if there's just if it's just a very popular class to yeah, be playing right now. Everybody's just having fun, is what it is. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that might be a big part of it. Here's the thing. If it's a DK meta, then that probably means Battlegrounds are in a healthy state. <laughs> yes, yes. That's, I will take a DK sign. meta. The DK meta means things are working well. Yes. I th- I, I've said before, I think DK is the least cheesy class uh, of all of them. Um, if DKs are out there doing good, it, it probably means that combat balance is, is, yes, is probably in a pretty good spot. 
Um, so I don't know if they're actually the meta, as in like the most effective tool available. It's hard to imagine DK actually outperforming Warden when you kind of look yeah. at all the metrics and all that. I or still even probably Necro. Necromancer, yeah. I still feel like Stam Warden is like the complete package when it comes to PvP, and it's hard to beat them out when you're talking meta. But DK is in a very, very healthy spot, mostly because of the the combustion passive uh, getting super duper buffed. So that just enables Dragonites to have better sustain than they've ever had before, which has always been a weak point of theirs. Uh, and in PvP, well, in PV, PvE too, uh, more sustain basically just translates to more damage, and that just, that just gets converted to damage. Yeah. And they're doing a lot of damage, and uh, and they're 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 feeling very comfortable to play here lately as well. You don't feel like you're just like fighting for resources all the time. <laughs> um, I've been playing with my uh, Magicka Dragon Knight, and I'll talk about her a little bit later. But it's it's the best that character has ever felt, as long as I've had that character for sure. Uh, and you know, it's just been a really long time since. I've seen people in guild chat or in uh, uh, in the forums and stuff complaining about OP Dragon Knights. I just feel like <laughs> like you see just, that sentence appear on the screen. You're like, wow, when's the last time I saw that? It's been some years. You just lean back and smile a little bit and be like, these are the good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not think Dragon Knights are overpowered right now. I think they are simply powered. Yes. Uh, and I think... These overpowered Dragonites that, that seem overpowered, I think what it really is, is it's a very good player that's stoked to play on a Dragonite because they yeah. recently got buffed, and they would smoke you no matter what character they were on. It doesn't have to be a Dragonite. I think that's yeah. most of what's happening there. I would agree with that. I, I think that Dragonites, it's actually safe to have a Dragonite in a battleground again. Yeah. I think people are having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, because Dark Convergence got nerfed, which it's still being used quite a bit, but... uh you know, just the the BG volatility, uh, it's just a lot easier to be a melee character and be in that brawl, whether you're a Dragonite or not. Plus, they got these nice buffs, so they're feeling very, very good. Like, they were indirectly buffed and directly buffed, you know? Yeah. Um, also, Stamblades. Nothing really particular happened to this patch for Stamblades that, that favored them necessarily, I don't think, but I'm noticing a ton of brutal stam blades in battlegrounds here lately like just super effective gankers they're out there ganking i don't want to mess with them i don't want anything to do with them and my my opinion on stam blades like how they fit in on battlegrounds has completely changed uh, completely shifted (laughs) from a year ago because i used to say stam blades aren't great team players uh and the one way that they can kind of pull their weight the one thing they have to offer a team in deathmatch is just getting lots and lots and lots of kills and if they can't do that log in with a different character you know <laughs> uh but now they are doing that they very much yeah. like i totally don't mind at all if we have a, a stealthy stand blade on our team that's like not hanging out with the team all that much and he's hanging out in stealth a lot but he's just got like 23 kills at the end of the match i feel like in my book he's pulling his weight he's taking people off the map which takes pressure off of me makes it easier for me to do what i'm doing um, I'm seeing a lot of stand blades do that here lately. Uh, and I think it's nice. I, I, I don't like getting ganked by them and it's very frustrating in that moment. Um, but it's just nice to see them able to, to play the way they were designed to be played and having success with that. I would say the biggest change I've noticed is that not even that long ago when I would see a stand blade and I'd see him, you know, go into stealth, 
and uh, I would see it happen, and, and you know maybe your your team's in front of you or something like that. You'd see himself, and you'd go, okay, hold on. Like you'd go and stand out in the center and be like, all right, hit me so I can see you again, and so I can yeah kind of find you. And now I've noticed that in Battlegrounds, I'll see a stand blade go into stealth, and I'll be like, oh, like there's like a fear that hits yes. me. And it's like, oh gosh, like yes. I, I'm gonna run and get with my team real quick. Like I do not want to be picked off. Yeah, I think it was the the Flames of Ambition patch did a lot of good things for for a lot of specs, but I think Stamblades benefited maybe a lot uh, more than a lot of other classes. So it's cool to see them. Uh, you know, like I said, in the moment when I'm fighting one, I don't think it's cool and I'm I'm angry and I don't I don't like them. But in general, it's fine. I'm glad that they're doing well. I'm glad that the Stamblades get to have some fun. Good for them. <laughs> Aside from there being uh, a lot of Dragon Knights, aside from there being a lot of Stand Blades, there's also a whole lot of healing. I don't know where it's coming from, or I don't know like why everyone is like healing all of a sudden. Especially like I said, like the volatility of the environment is down. Like you can actually like breathe a little bit and stay alive, yeah. uh, you know, without spending all of your resources doing so. But for some reason, there's just so much healing going on, even in the solo queue. It's the PTSD from the what Dark Convergence is just always hitting heels and max heels. You're probably right. It's probably just left over from that. Like that's just what you have to do to yeah. to to survive. To stay alive. Yeah, so much healing. I've noticed a lot of magic aspects uh, that are just stacking uh, regen. Like uh, like I've been in a couple of matches and it's actually really cool. Uh, to be on a team that's synergizing like that, it's all four Magicka builds of various classes, and everyone has uh, radiating regen on their back bar, and we're all just spamming it on each other the whole time. Uh, but we're also, no one, not not a single one of us was a dedicated healer. We were all yeah. offensively specced, but we were also supporting each other. Um, it's cool. That's kind of, Davius, that's like our philosophy of like how a yep. Magicka build should play. And I've been on some teams. It's like nothing but that. And it, and it works really, really well, of course. It kind of reminds me of the of the stamina vigor of old. Yeah, exactly. Man, I I, I do miss those days. Except I kind of don't. <laughs> like you remember, like you'd have a, a team of four stam wardens Oof. all overlapping vigor. They basically have like a ten k hot running at all times, just and they're just on freaking stoppable. Yeah, and they would just nuke your butt. <laughs> But yeah, a lot of healing. I would like to see the healing uh, uh, toned down a bit. Not not nerfed. I would just like to see fewer healers is what I would like to see, honestly. Sure. That makes sense. Dark Convergence and Plague Break are still <laughs> very widely used. They were nerfed. They are less annoying, but still annoying. Still very annoying. Still I would, extremely I would annoying. still like to see less. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's easier to deal with than it was, it was before. That's, that's for sure, but... It's still being used quite a bit, maybe a little bit more than I'd like to see, especially by necromancers. Um, so it's annoying. Plague Break, really, not so much. I don't, I don't really care. That's, again, yeah, kind of like before. Yeah, Plague Break's not really an issue. It's not a huge issue, uh, but Dark Converges is still annoying. And it, it definitely hasn't like completely disappeared like we were kind of expecting it to, yeah. unfortunately. And I, if I have to be, if I can be very specific, Dark Convergence on a necro in the lava map no 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 cheating i'm so sick of being forced into the lava cheaters and then a necro ult hitting me while dark conversion it's just like uh, yeah come on it does seem particularly well suited for a a magic and necromancer yeah seems to be like the the mag crow set 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, honestly, I would say that BGs are feeling really good right now. Um, I personally, I, being honest, I'm probably only comfortable with maybe two or three of my characters in, in BGs right now. Um, but even when I'm testing out the other ones that I'm kind of still getting a feel for, uh, the BG still feels really good. Even when the actual match, it like score-wise, isn't going good, uh, it still feels really good. And it's yeah. it's been a minute since a BG can feel good when the score is not going good. <laughs> yeah, and even like... I've had plenty of frustrating matches where I'm just getting totally curb stomped, you know, and I'm like not yep. really having a great time at all. But it, it's not at all like in the past where I feel like I'm just being cheated here and there's nothing yeah. anyone can do about it. Like it's kind of easy to accept those situations now. It's like, well, those players just have a lot of damage and they know how to play and that's yep. just all it is. Um, and yeah, I can just I can just accept what it is and, and feel feel OK about it and better luck next time. Uh, but really, the number of good matches versus bad matches, way more good than bad. Way, way, way more. Um, and, and like we keep saying, like you can actually be on a melee spec, get right up in the middle of that brawl with all, with all this stuff flying around, all these people around attacking each other. And as long as you know your team's supporting each other the way that they're expected to be, you can hang in there and you can get some stuff done. And you don't have to retreat as soon as you take a heavy attack, you know? Um, yeah. so it's nice. This is this patch ever since this patch has dropped, I've been kind of going back to what I used to do all the time, which is just queue up again and again and again and again and again. I, I honestly can't get enough of battlegrounds right now. And it's been a few patches since that's been the case. The, the character I've been playing with in battlegrounds the most these last couple of weeks, uh, it's been my homework assignment since the last episode. <laughs> um, my magic and Nightblade Ged. Um, this dude is my main main character, right? Like main main. I always I always call Betsy my PvP main, but Ged is my main main. He's he's my PVE guy. He does all my questing. He's my only nine trait crafter. His only weak point has always been that I just never get great results with him in PvP. Uh, and since you know this last couple of years, PvP has been the main thing that I do. He, just as a result, he doesn't get a ton of playtime. Even though I still do in my mind think of him as like that's my main. Yeah. Um So on the last episode I was saying it's about time I, I take another crack at PvP uh with my Magblade. It's been a while. Uh it it's always a challenge for me. I often bounce off really quick just because I'm used to having a certain level of success with other characters, and so I just want to go right back to them. Um this time something's clicking in a way that it really hasn't before. And I really actually am having a great time with this dude. Um, anytime we do class rankings, Davius, when, when we do like the BG report and we say, okay, here's the, here's the class rankings from top to bottom. Magblade's always dead last on that dead list. Last. That's the easy. That one, you, that's the one we put down first. Yeah. We write that one down <laughs> first. Uh, number 12 uh, Magblade. Uh, I think that I still think that that's where they belong on that list. Uh, but I don't think they're as far behind as I previously previously thought. I think they are totally well equipped. They can totally be successful, but they're they are challenging to play, and you yeah. have to kind of you have to kind of be clever and really try to think of ways to trick your enemies into falling for your trap, um, because it's just the nature of your attacks. Uh, we've said lots of times before. People just know how to counter it. They know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to counter in a number of ways, uh, and so you if you're gonna 
if you're going to have success, you're going to have to be clever and tricky. Um, before I kind of dive into all that, I'll talk about the build. So last week I, I was saying I just kind of threw together a build out of gear that I already had. Uh, so that was Crafty Alfique, uh Spinner as a front bar only set with a Fire Staff, Maelstrom Resto Staff, uh, and uh, Ring of the Wild Hunt. Um, I'm still using basically that same build, except I've gotten rid of Ring of the Wild Hunt and I'm using a different mythic item, uh, the Sithis Helm, which I was just saying I, I farmed that out for, for this dude. And uh, I think that was totally the right move. Uh, the Sithis Helm uh, is fantastic for a mag blade. So if you remember, it gives you like 3,000 something health, 4,000 uh, armor, um, what, like a thousand recovery, health, health yep. recovery? A whole bunch of health recovery. And then, uh, and then reduces your block mitigation to zero. So you can block, but it doesn't reduce the damage that you take. Um, which for, for a mag blade and also for like a sork, um, really a night blade or a sork, uh, that's perfect. They don't really block for their defense anyway. So that's a penalty, but I don't really experience that penalty at all because I wasn't blocking to begin with. You know, his, his, uh, his defense involves other tactics. Yeah. So basically, it's just nothing but gain for that uh, for that Sithis helm and the the Wild Hunt ring. You know, when I'm in combat, the Wild Hunt ring gives you 15% bonus movement speed. Uh, and if you use uh, two swift pieces of jewelry combined, that's 14%. So I, I basically get most, pretty much all of that movement speed back. Right? I, I use the Sithis helm. I do two swift pieces of jewelry, and now I have. 1% less movement speed than what Wild Hunt gave me, which I don't even notice that difference. Yeah, and you still have great, still have great stats. Yeah, because uh, the Sithis Helm is giving me way more stats than I'm taking away by not using Arcane right. on my jewelry. Um, so it's really all gain, and I'm really not suffering any penalties whatsoever by, by switching to Sithis instead of uh, Wild Hunt. And I think this is the build that I'm probably just going to stick with. I, like, I've been kind of looking at other options, maybe try different five-piece sets and stuff, but I think Alfeek, Spinner, Maelstrom Resto, Sithis Helm, and One Piece Vulcan Scoria is going to be the build for this dude for a while. I've been having really great success. The stats are incredible. Uh, he plays really well. He plays really fun. It's just stat-based. There's no cheese whatsoever other than just being a Nightblade. I could just tell when I'm playing alongside you in Battlegrounds, just when you get that combo off, just the joy it brings you. <laughs> Some oh, of the man. moves. When you, when you pull that combo off, especially, like I said, you gotta you got to toy with your enemy and kind of trick them. And, and when they fall for it and when it works, it is. It's so satisfying. You feel so <laughs> proud of yourself. It really make it really makes me like not hate Nightblades so much. Like when I get successfully ganked by Nightblade, I I have a little bit more appreciation. Like you earned that, buddy. I I, I understand. It's <laughs> it's not it. as it's not as easy as it seems when you're on the receiving end of it. Uh, I have kind of a lot to say about this dude. Sorry if I'm long winded, but I've just been I'm so stoked to actually like be having fun in PvP with my Magblade, and like this dude's gonna be in my rotation probably going forward, yeah, uh, which it's is the last great. Piece of the puzzle for him. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Um, a few tips for, for any aspiring PvP Magblitz. Some things that I have found over the past couple of weeks that have helped me be somewhat successful. Uh, number one tip I would say is don't over-rely on stealth. And that's I think, is the biggest one. 
Uh, I use stealth very sparingly. I don't I don't hang out in stealth at all. I remain visible most of the time. I hang out with my team. Um, I'm focused healing, even though this is an offensively specced character. Most of the time I'm actually healing and I'm hanging back. I'm hanging with the team. I'm making sure their health bars are staying topped up. Um, and then kind of if everyone's good, if everything's under control, I kind of um, pew pew at long range enemies that are far away and just kind of see if there's any squishies or anything like that. And then if I see a target, I think I can take out pretty quickly. That's when I go into stealth, take them out, get back with the team. Because the thing is, one one big thing that stealth does is you think like I'm turning invisible, so I'm going to be I'm going to have less attention on me because people can't see me. It's quite the opposite is true. If you're go if you're popping in and out of stealth all the time, you're on everyone's radar. And let me tell you. Everyone hates Nightblades. Even other Nightblades <laughs> hates Nightblades. So you're popping in and out of stealth. You now have eight people on the map that their their priority number one is find the Nightblade, kill the Nightblade. <laughs> find the guy that's turning invisible. Yes, exactly. And almost everyone, especially in the sweaty matches, almost everyone has anti-invisibility tools. They're going to be able to force you out of stealth and make you fight toe-to-toe. So... I, I Like I said, I try not to use stealth all that much at all unless it's just like a total emergency and I have no choice but to use it to, to escape uh, or using it offensively to get that element of surprise and that guaranteed crit uh, just to, to get a kill really quick. Otherwise, I don't I don't I'm not just spamming that cloak button, um, which is tempting to do on a mag blade because you have all that magicka. You can just stay you can permanently stay invisible all day if you want to. But I think for that reason, it's it's a good idea not to. Another good reason is when you are staying invisible all the time, just it causes you over time to forget those basic PvP fundamentals of good positioning, choosing your targets wisely, all that kind of stuff. And like I said lately, since Nightblades are so popular, everybody has anti-stealth tools. They're going to pull you out of stealth. And if you haven't been kind of in practice of, of observing those PvP fundamentals, you're going to be in a bad situation and you're just going to stand there and get roasted, you know? Um, whereas if you hadn't been relying on stealth like that, you wouldn't have found yourself in that kind of situation at all. So I kind of try to think like, uh, think about my mag DK, you know, like mag DK doesn't have any cheese like that. There's no streak. There's no cloak. There's nothing like that. So what would my mag DK do? She has no choice, but to be smart, position herself well, choose her targets wisely. Uh, If she doesn't do that, she can't be successful. Um, so that's kind of be be a mag DK when you're playing on your mag blade. <laughs> <laughs> be a mag DK on your mag blade. Um, another thing that I found very helpful. So a big weakness for mag blades, and I've talked about this before, is um, they're very single target focused. Their, their offense is very single target focused, uh, and almost all of their attacks are like long range projectiles, and those are just very easy to avoid basically the number one problem is everything just gets roll dodged all the time and if you just kind of willy-nilly go out there and fire your strongest attacks at the first person you see it's just going to get dodged and then that attack is gone and that is extra punishing for a night blade uh because it's not like like a warden if their sub assault doesn't hit just cast it again and it'll hit in three more seconds no big deal but with the night blade they rely on their ultimate big time to get their kills. So if you miss your ultimate, you gotta you gotta regain that back. Um, Merciless resolve. If you fire that bow proc, if that misses, you have to you have to gain those five stacks back from your light attacks before you can even try again. So 
if you miss, it's just over, you know, and you don't, you don't, you're not even going to get another opportunity because you're now, now your enemy knows you're there. They're going to be ready for whenever you try again, five or six seconds later, you know? Um, so you got to make it count when you go for the, when you go for those kills, when you go for those attacks, you have to make sure that they do land. Um, and so what I learned with my, my bow crow a while back, cause he had a similar issue uh, is that I can use a mobilization to trick my enemy into roll dodging when I want them to, and then I plan my attacks around that. Um, and so that, that works perfectly for a Magblade. I've been using um, the Crippling Grasp ability, which is a, a, a pretty strong dot, but it also immobilizes people. So I mobilize them with that, go invisible, and start charging up a heavy attack with my Fire Staff. Uh, they're almost certainly going to roll dodge out of that immobilization. And as soon as that roll dodge is complete, I release the heavy attack and weave it straight into whatever my next attack is going to be. I, I always mix it up so it's it's not always the same, but you, know, you might weave it into a merciless resolve and then an end cap or something like that. But the point is, get them to roll dodge first, wait for that roll dodge to, uh, to complete, then attack them. It works almost every single time. So that that's what I would recommend. That that has helped me a ton. Um, and just like I said, look out for that anti-stealth uh, mage light, uh, radiant mage light from the Mages <laughs> Guild ability was uber buffed. Like right around the same time that stealth stealth was buffed, radiant mage light was uber buffed. It has a twelve meter radius, uh, which for uh, for a comparison, that's the same radi- that's the same radius as the Templar's cleansing ritual. You know that gigantic circle that like fills up an entire room. That's the size of this radiant radiant mage light. So basically, if you're anywhere in the vicinity of anyone that's using this, you're not going to be able to be invisible at all. It, it suppresses that. Mage light has become enemy number one for you. On this it character. is, yes, <laughs> it is. And I've seen um, more than anyone. I see other night blades using it. Uh, and they're like basically they're night blades, but they're night blade hunters. No love between night blades. Just yeah. no love. Yeah, and they've been griefing me because I so far on my on my magblade I don't have any anti stealth actually, uh, and that's kind of his one of his biggest weaknesses is he's like one hundred percent single single target focused, and he does not have that radiant mage light. I could fit it on, but it's like I really like my bar setup how it is. It feels really comfortable, but I'm probably gonna have to give in and go ahead and, and put that on there because it's it's too good and some of these stand blades the stand the stand blades that are using radiant mage light they they totally eat my lunch man every single time because i can't i can't do anything mm. mag blades biggest strengths can turn invisible would be the, the biggest <laughs> one i would say uh, that that checks out that yeah. one makes sense uh all that one they have a long range offense, uh, including their their execute, a very powerful execute. It's a full long, like twenty eight meter range, so you can pick up a lot of kills that way, just kind of stealing other people's kills. I, I do that quite a bit. So anyway, I know that w- there was a lot there, but that's my magblade. I just I had I had this is all this stuff has just been in my mind. Like I can't wait to talk about my magblade. It's like he's finally good. <laughs> it's he's been finally years good. in the making with I the magblade. It's actually working. Yeah, and just. And I've played so much with this dude, so like just to make sure that those matches weren't just flukes that I was playing against a bunch of noobs or whatever. But um, now I've had plenty of matches. I've gone up against people that I I know I know those people. I know that they're good, and I think this dude has actually proven himself fairly well. And I have seen some other people say that they feel like their mag blades are feeling really good these days too. So maybe 
Maybe the next BG report, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe they'll move up a peg or two. Ooh, I, I have to say it's pretty awesome because I've, I've, you know, we've played this game together for a long, long time now. So I've been part, you know, I've been and seen the attempts. You know, you'll pull this guy off the shelf. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to try to make it work in PvP. And you'll do a couple matches and, you know, maybe a day or two goes by and you're like, all right, I think this is going to work. Usually about three to five days later, you're like, nope, it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it's not going to happen. And there's been, mul- you know, you've had multiple attempts to try to get it working. So it's pretty cool to see that it's the, the current BG uh, status is kind of allowing uh, the Magblade to to let you have fun. It's kind of working right now. So that's pretty, pretty awesome to see. I think it's partially like how combat balance is tuned. And I think a, a big component of that is... Um, me kind of playing as a team player mostly and i think in the past i was not doing that so much and that was a big part of why i wasn't having yeah. so much success and i was i was over relying on stealth and, and those sorts of things and um you get some great heals on this guy oh yeah he's he's gotten like double millions like million damage million heals a couple of times yep. he definitely can get those numbers for sure rapid regen this is the only character i use that morph on uh, i use radiating on the others but man rapid regen is so nice it's just like you can just fill up someone's health bar very very quickly uh, that's mostly what i do like i would say 75 percent of the time i'm like hanging back and just spamming rapid regen on people while, while they're fighting uh and then i just kind of pick off the easy targets when the opportunity presents itself in most matches i'm like around 10 and 0 just kind of yeah. which is not you know, heroic numbers by any means, but a consistent 10 and 0 is pretty much my experience on this dude. And I'm pretty happy with that for, for a mag yeah. with the 10 and 0, the damage that you're doing and the heals pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Why don't you talk about a character for a minute, Davis? I feel like I've been, I need, I need to catch my breath. My throat hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but what's going well, on? Speaking, you know, let's stay on, on uh, main characters here. Okay. Um, you know, I've been, my main, uh, Davius Starjumper, my Magplar. Uh, I've talked about him quite a bit on the past couple episodes, but you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to talk about him a little bit more. Go for it. Do it every episode. Every episode. Davius segment. Uh, Davius on Davius. No. Uh, uh, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> so just to start off, I'm going to go in just the, the build right now is a five uh, piece spell power cure, five piece powerful assault, uh, the back bar maelstrom resto. And then I do the one piece swarm mother. And that's strictly just for the stats. And uh-huh. then the newest edition, the Spalder of Ruin, uh, which I am absolutely loving. Um, I'm loving it too. I'm loving that you're <laughs> as wearing well it. Well, you should. I don't have it for myself, but I am loving it when, when you wear it. <laughs> um, just a reminder: it's you know it's a support heal only build, but uh, really the biggest part of the bu- the build now is what those sets all together do. And they give 997 weapon and spell damage buff uh, for my entire team. Beautiful. Um, it's, I mean, so the first thing I want I want to get into here is just, you know, the Spalder of Rune changed a little bit where they changed it from a damage reduction to a recovery reduction. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about um, how that actually ended up kind of working out well for me. Ah. Um, just with a couple of things that I have on the build and you know, a slight adjustment. So first off, uh, I'm pretty equipped for good magic recovery. Uh, I've got the back bar maelstrom 
uh, resto staff. Uh, that's 550 magicka on on regeneration crits, uh, which is great. That's a mm-hmm. great you know that's great for. It's basically uh, equivalent to a thousand recovery, essentially. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the Magic Simplar has the, the, the channel focus, which is the rune on the ground. So that's 242 Magicka per second when you're standing in that. No, not when you're standing in that, just while it's active. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry, 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 sorry. So you're getting great recovery from that. And then the last uh, is that, uh, and this was actually a recommendation of you, uh, and I'm really glad that I've done it, but I swapped Breath of Life to Honor the Dead, which yeah. is, I think, a little bit less popular morph. Um but essentially what that does is when you're healing somebody under 75%, essentially what it equates to is 370 Magicka per second. Yeah, you get like, if you, if you heal someone with that ability who's under 75% health, you get part of that Magicka cost refunded, right. right? You get a, you get a, well, you get a part of it refunded over six seconds. And based on the cost, I went ahead and did the percentages and it, it equates to 370 Magicka per second. You get it every two seconds, but oh, yeah. Um, but that's that's what it comes down to. So that helps a lot com- with your recovery. Yeah. I find on my Magplar, I use that morph it's, as well, and it makes a big difference. It's huge, and so all those together, the magic recovery, I'm still doing fine. I, I, I'm not kind of breaking even, probably. Yeah, sounds like. Um, you know, the health recovery side of it, uh, I use the sugar skulls, so that kind of makes up for the health recovery side of it. I have switched to the sugar skulls for my food. Um, probably the biggest thing that is a slight struggle is that I do notice the stamina recovery, uh, nerf or, you know, not really a nerf, but the drop in that debuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that does hurt. You know, I have stamina. I am noticing I'm out of stamina a lot more often and really, um, there might be a good side of that. Cause usually, (laughs) you know, this better than most with Davius, he just kind of runs in head first, lets everybody hit on him and then heals and kind of does his things while it's happening. I'm kind of having to change that strategy. He can't really be a headfirst run in and be the focus. More of a hangback um, healer now. Uh, he's kind of more of a hangback. He's still extremely tanky, but he, he can't really do that like he did. Not because he's not any less tanky, but he just doesn't have the stamina to, to get through it anymore. Yeah. And so I'm just having to be a little bit smarter uh, with that. And so I've kind of adjusted that and it's kind of worked out well. So... That's kind of one thing I wanted to mention on is that that change to that that mythic item has actually worked out pretty well for me. Um, nice. So the next thing that I want to get to is just how the build's performing right now. Um, I would say it's performing well in my experience. Yeah. So I can't really, you know, I'll admit there's not really a way to measure it. Um, uh-huh. But I, I am pretty confident in saying that it works quite well. You know, <laughs> it's kind of a joke when we get through an end of a battleground. I, I always, you know, throw a joke out there is because I'm always saying, hey. Look at our team's damage compared to the other teams. <laughs> Look how much damage you guys did. <laughs> Look how much damage you all did uh, compared to what the other team's you're, doing. You're not saying it, but we know what you're thinking. <laughs> like 30% uh, of that damage is mine. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I want it. It's mine. Yeah. Let's do the math right now. How much damage did I do? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't say this about my builds, uh, but I can honestly recommend this is such a fun build that I really would recommend to players who love to play support. Like, make this build, play it. It is extremely effective. Your teammates will love you. Uh, And it works really well. I mean, this thing can really take a team to just insane heights with how hard... Uh, it can make a team or even just a single like we were in duos, you know, and like I was on my uh, Stam DK Bad Sally, who she she normally 
performs really well, but she just absolutely like players are made of paper when yeah. when I have you uh, running <laughs> yeah. around with me. Uh, and, and it's cool, too, because um, now that there's proc scaling, it scales off of your offensive stats now. So your build actually benefits those proc yeah. builds as well as, you know, benefits everybody, basically. Yeah, it works really well. It, it That's got to be like the most possible spell damage that you can give to another player, right? Like that build surely has to be it. I'm pretty sure from my research it is. I'm a little frustrated that it's 997. Ah, three Just points give me short. That three points, Zoss. Just give it to me. One, yeah, come on. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, well, if it helps, yeah. you know, what? by the time that's factored in with... The player that you're giving that to, they have all sorts of passive that's going to amplify that even more. It's so it's going to be well beyond a thousand, really. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that I like to say about this, too, is it's obviously it's making it's it's helping out the team. They're all hitting for like trucks. Even people that have low, you know, reasonably low damage are hitting a lot harder now. But it's also helping me with my heals because now those players are staying alive a lot easier because now all of their heals are healing for a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah. Now they're doing stuff that's keeping me alive more when, you know, when they're throwing a rapid regen around or regeneration, now it's helping the whole team. So um, it just works out so well on a team. And it, it really, uh, I've had such good luck with the build. And it's, it's kind of hilarious because it's, you know, as we always joke, the build does zero damage. Somehow I always find a way to do like a thousand or two thousand. I don't really know where it comes from, but um <laughs> It does zero damage, but it's it's one of my favorite builds right now. Is I'm having so much fun going into battlegrounds and playing with this build. It's and the heals have been great. Um, he's doing really well in heals. You know, he's hitting uh, a million heals every now and then, and and it just it just works really well. It's neat that we're both lately just logging in with our our OG tunes, the ones that we started <laughs> out playing with together. And, yeah, it, it's neat to to go back to that. Um, cool man, is that. Is that it for that dude? Is that all you wanted to say about him? Yeah, that's mainly what I want to say about him. He's he's working he's working really well. And like I said, I I I recommend it. if you if you like playing a support build, throw that build out there and just you can go and test in a battleground. You'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I recommend it as well. I, I recommend having a friend <laughs> that runs that build, uh, and then you run a damage build. Get that's your friend to run this build, and you just get your damage character. It's gonna yeah. be great. Well, I was super stoked to talk about my Magblade. I'm almost equally uh, stoked to talk about my Magicka Dragon Knight, Misato Katsuragi. Um, as we were saying earlier, it's it's Dragon Knights all the way down right now. And I, I had to get in on that hype because uh, I've always loved Dragon Knights. Um, and sustain has always been their weakness and their sustain is better than it's ever been. And so, you know, I've just been checking it out. Plus, I got that Burning Spellweave staff. So I'm, I'm just super hyped to... To, to use this build. Um, so the build that my MagDK is using right now, and it's probably going to stay this way, uh, Heartland Conqueror, uh, Burning Spellweave on the front bar with a Nernhund Fire Staff, uh, Maelstrom Resto on the back bar, uh, Malakath Band of Brutality, and One Piece Doma House. A real standard DK build, like really just kind of meat and potatoes DK build, I would say. Um, but it works super duper well. The stats look great. A reminder of Burning Spellweave, um, when you deal flame damage, you apply the burning status effect and increase your weapon and spell damage by 490 for 8 seconds with a 12 second cooldown. Just to give an example of how good this recovery buff is that they've gotten here. So, um, Burning Spellweave, 
while you're in combat, basically guaranteed you're going to be applying the burning status effect every 12 seconds, just from this one set, right? Um, so with the buff to the combustion passive, that if you do the math, that basically equates to about 166 Magicka recovery that, that you're getting, uh, equivalent, right? Um, and that's just one source of the burning status effect. Uh, but with Dragon Knights, they're, they're very unique in that 100% of their damage is just one damage type, which is flame damage. And every single solitary source of flame damage has a chance to apply the burning status effect. Um, when I just do a, sing uh, a test against a single target dummy, just, just one single target, when I do like my normal rotation of abilities that I use for my combo, uh, I'm applying the burning status effect on average about once every three seconds. Um, which, if you do the math there, that's going to come out to about 600 Magicka recovery equivalent, uh, which is quite a lot. So I just, I thought, you know, like my Mag DK only has like 1200 recovery on the stat sheet, but she has a, basically a hidden 600 recovery on top of that. <laughs> plus she's a Breton, plus the Maelstrom Resto staff. Uh, so actually the, the, the sustain feels extremely comfortable. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm all damage. Otherwise I have the damage Mundus stone. I have damage glyphs on all my jewelry. Uh, really not a ton of investment into sustain. It just, it just feels great. Um, really for the first time ever. And I, and I feel like I really have like some bite to my damage that I haven't had before. Yeah. Cause I'm able to invest that little bit of extra. It's really nice. Aside from the sustain buff, though, man, for a mag uh, for a mag DK, this new flame lash buff is amazing. I've been using the molten whip more, basically since they reworked molten whip to have that big three stack juicy whip kind of thing, and and that's great, and it's still a lot of damage. But man, you got to use flame lash now. It is so <laughs> good uh, and so fun to use, and it. And it has that like that classic mag DK feel, like it just it just feels right. Um, so I just want to read the description of this ability because it's kind of confusing, uh, and I just kind of want to break down what's happening. So if you strike an immobilized or a stunned enemy, you set them off balance, um, and then if you target an immobilized or off balance enemy, you get that power lash proc which uh, cuts, the cuts the cost in half, deals extra damage, and it heals you for quite a bit. Um, and remember, one of the changes they did to this ability is there's no more cooldown on that power lash proc. You can get it again and again and again as long as the conditions are being met. So what's interesting is, so you strike an enemy who is immobilized or stunned, sets them off balance. If you target an enemy who is immobilized or off balance, you get the power lash proc. So immobilize meets both conditions, right? So uh, my combo, what I do is I gap close into someone, I, I debuff them with engulfing flames, and then I immobilize them with talons. Um, and then I hit them with my whip, and since they're immobilized, I get, I get that power lash proc right away on the very first cast. And if that whip lands, then I'm setting them off balance, which means I continue to get more power lash procs because off balance also procs it as well. And I think off balance lasts for like seven seconds. So you just get it over and over and over and over <laughs> and over. And you're just hammering away on this person and healing up every single time you land one of those attack, you're getting almost like a 10k heal every single time. So it makes it you know, not only do you have this this extra sustain now to, that's enabling you to to stay aggressive, you also have this built-in offensive heal that's allowing you to stay aggressive as well. Um, 
So it it just it's it's so nice, and there's so many times that you're getting that power lo- that power lash proc when you're not even trying to. They're just off balance for some other reason, or they're you know someone's using the frost staff, so everyone's getting immobilized all the time. So you're, those conditions are constantly being met, and and it does that special spin attack whenever you get the the, the power lash proc. She does that, or the mag decay does that spin attack. Uh, so it just looks cool every single time, and you're just doing it over and over and over again. Um, and it's just awesome. It has that classic, you know, like I said, that classic MagDK feel um, that everything's kind of relying on uh, crowd control and, and being off balance and, and staying aggressive and all that kind of stuff. Uh, really, the way I've always thought Dragon Knights are supposed to play, even though I haven't really been playing them that way until now. So, um, yeah, that's the MagDK. Her stats are in a really great yeah. place. She has uh, 30k health, 28 28- K Magicka, 20k stamina, 5300 spell damage when burning spell weave is procced, which for a Magicka build is a lot. It's a whole lot. A lot. Uh, and like I said, recovery is low, but that's that's deceptive on the stat sheet. It actually feels very comfortable. And I'm a recovery junkie, so you know if that's coming from me, take take it from me. It, it it's it's very very comfortable. You can you can go really <laughs> low on the recovery on a Mag DK right now. Strongly recommend MagDK. Strongly recommend that Flame Lash uh, morph and uh, and using the the talons along with uh, fossilize. Uh, I've talked about it on a previous episode. That is just a brutal, absolutely brutal combo because um, you immobilize them uh, with with the talons. And like I said before, they're probably going to roll dodge out of that. And as soon as that roll dodge is done, fossilize. And they just wasted that stamina roll dodging, and now they're going to have to waste more to break free. And then after they break free, they're still immobilized because that's what fossilized does. Yeah, it's a nasty combo. It is absolutely brutal. I think that's all I had to say about the mag DK. Make yourself a mag DK, guys. Davius, get yours leveled up. Get him. Get him geared <laughs> it's up. Happen. Make it happen. It's going to happen one day. Yeah, your mag DK. She's killing it right now. I mean, the the all the damage. You know, you mentioned how hard she's hitting all the damage, but once again, the heals that she's throwing out there are pretty spectacular as well. Yeah, just like all my Magicka characters, she's she's totally an offensively specced character. But I would say, like, if she gets a million damage, she probably has like six hundred k heals. Yeah, and pretty good. Yeah, and just just like everyone else, she. Uh, when I say like she stays aggressive, that's you know when I've chosen a target and when I'm in combat, I, I keep the pressure up. But otherwise, just like I was talking about with my Magblade, I'm a healer most of the time. I want to hear more about Thane of Pain, Davies, your Magsork. What's going on with this dude? Oh, Thane of Pain. Stamsork. Did I say Magsork? I meant, you said Mag. I meant Stamsork. <laughs> oh, Thane of Pain. So, uh, a little interesting. It's uh, I'll go over the build here. It's it's five piece Briarheart, um, five piece Sword Singer, Torque of Tonal Constancy, Torque Sorks. Always mm-hmm, keep it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, back bar Master Bow, and then I have one piece Swarm Mother just for the for the stats. Very nice. Um, but here's here's the thing. Let's let's talk about old Thane of Pain for a moment here. You know, I'm I'm in a real struggle with uh, with this character because I you know I switched to a two hander. It used to be a dual wield because old Lord of Nords, who's kind of just my favorite character right now, also is dual wield. And so every time I was playing with him, a dual wield it just made me want to play on Lord of Nords. Uh-huh. So I thought, you know, I can't have two of these spin to win build so i gotta i gotta throw a two-hander on this guy i gotta make it work the build is fine it's the stats look good the damage is good 
Um, I just, I can't get myself to like two-handed. Uh, I'm just struggling with it. Dual wheel, you know, when he was dual wheeled, it just, it seemed like he could just zip in, throw a bunch of damage, kind of sprinkle damage everywhere. And then when there was someone that was low, I could just focus in, take him out, sprinkle more damage around, kind of get out of there. And two-handed just seems so singular focused. And it's kind of like when you're in a you know, you're in a fight and there's a whole bunch of people running around, you kind of just have to pick one and then kind of pick your fight. If they kind of bail out of there, or maybe you do lay in a whole bunch of damage and they get fully healed up, then you kind of have to choose. All right, am I gonna go after this guy again, or am I gonna switch it to a different one? Uh, I'm yeah. just I'm just struggling with the two-handed build right. I feel now. like so, I feel like dual wield is just right on a stamsork. It's just like <laughs> what the universe intended, you know. <laughs> I'm getting worried, and this is, you know, prepare yourself. I'm getting worried that maybe I'm just starting not to like the Stamsork. I don't know. Well, just just let him use dual wheel. Just have two dual wheeled characters. Two dual wheels. That might be the way to do it. It might be the way to go just because it dual wheel just seems, I don't know, it just seems so much better. I like the fact that they, they have AOE capabilities. Um... I very much like the spammable for dual wheel. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so much better than and and I, you know I know dizzying swing. It's it's a great ability. People kill me with it all the time, but that that cast time is just it's it's nothing's worse when you you invest in that cast time for two or three dizzy swings. You know they two of the three miss and you're just like man to me all this work to me the only time dizzying swing is worth it is if you're on a build that has an absolutely monumental amount of damage and you can make you can make those dizzy swings really count when they do connect but if it's if you just have like kind of a lot of damage i feel like it's not enough uh to make dizzy swing worth it for me because i feel like I, i can't keep up the pressure consistently enough to to really take people all the way down that's that's where that's where old Thane Pain is. I, I really have got to um I think he's got a great build right now. I'm just not having fun playing it. So uh I think it's gonna have to change to something because I just I'm not enjoying two handed right now. A dual wheel to do it. You got a better spammable, you got spin to win. I mean it's a it's a tornado animation. I mean you're a yeah. stam sork, it just it, it just it makes belongs. sense on the stam sork. Just yeah, maybe I'll have to Plus, switch things uh, around again. It just then uh, you could use daggers, get a lot more crit, which will help your uh, critical surge, get a lot more use out of that, and the Briarheart, get a lot more use out of that. Yeah. I'm I'm tempted to tr- possibly see what Briarheart would look like on a Magplar right now with the kind of hybrids thing. Oh, yeah, on. I could see that. Yeah. I kind of want to test out Briarheart on a Magplar to see what that would look like. I don't see why that would be bad at all, as long as you're doing like weapons and jewelry, or even yep. even a medium piece or two wouldn't be terrible, even with the new yep. passives and stuff. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. So that's that's also not going in Thane of Pain's favor, is that I, I might steal his Briarheart set, but uh, I've got to figure out something with him. You know, Stam Sork's such a classic class in Battlegrounds that, I mean, Streak is just one of the best abilities in the game, and so. Maybe uh, I do uh, want to get him working. He's got the great name now, you know. It's what if just, you? He's got a great look. What if you like don't use sword dance or find some other like, you know, spriggan or something, uh, mm-hmm. and then um, use crystal weapon for your spammable. 
I've thought about Crystal Whip. That's that's I've heard very good things about it. Uh, people seem to really be liking it. And I've you know it's I've seen people get good results with it, and uh, I like the fact that it's kind of a class ability that they have now. That's that's I, I like that idea. Another thing to consider: shout out to a friend of the show, Uncle Sam. Uh, he has a stam sork, but it uses a flame staff. It's a stam and a sorcerer all the way, not a hybrid. Uh, I love I love that I yeah. love that idea there. Uh, but it does use a flame staff, and uh, what he does his combo is actually super duper simple. He uses that uh, crystal weapon ability, and he also uses the Sigic Order uh, crushing weapon, which is kind of the same ability. They're very similar. They both they both land when you deliver a, a light attack, right? That, mm-hmm. That's how their damage gets delivered. So he charges them both up and then just like one-shots people with a light attack. <laughs> and he, he does he pretty does well with it. Too. Yeah, he does <laughs> he pretty does darn well with hard. it. So that might be something uh, to yeah. consider on a Stab Sork. Uh, and you have that's some range there. Not a bad there. idea. Yeah, not a bad idea. I'll, I'll figure something out. It's too good a name, too good a look of a character to not figure something out. But uh, hopefully yeah. hopefully by next episode I'll have some updates on him. But I, I, I have at least figured out that, that I'm not I'm not liking two-handed on him. He seems too slow for key, for a character, for a Stamsork, run around and streak. It just the two-handed makes him seem slow somehow to me. I hope you keep with him because we we did a little bit of uh, dual stam sork the bushwhack twins as I like to call oh, yeah. them and uh, oh, yeah. it is always a great time. Uh, I really, I, honestly, that's the only time I do like playing my stam sork is if we're <laughs> duoing because honestly, if we're doing with stam sork, yeah, that checks out. Otherwise, I feel like I'm just, I feel like stam sork is honestly op and I, I'm super annoyed by stam sorks anytime I'm going up against them because they they're super duper powerful and the the moment you get the upper hand on them they're on the opposite side of the map and nothing they're you can gone. do about it yep. and i feel like not even mag sorks have that capability like i can keep up with a mag sork but the fact that stam sorks they have streak and they have all that stamina and they have uh actual like running movement speed and they can spam roll dodge they're they're way more slippery than a mag sork yeah um, so yeah, like if I'm playing solo, I, it almost feels like cheating because like I can just kind of do anything I want. Um, but when we're doing duos, it still kind of feels that way, but it's like a duo and it's more fun. Only other build I've been playing with a little bit is my Magic and Necromancer Despair. Uh, man, I've done really good on my homework since the last episode. Man, I got <laughs> I got three whole got builds done. Three whole builds put together. I've done a lot of dungeon farming. I completed the the DLC. I've really been playing a lot of Elder Scrolls. Um, anyway, my Mag Crow, uh, the, she's using the exact build that I've been talking about. Uh, Heartland Conqueror, uh, Ken Marcher's Cruelty with a charged Frost Staff on the front bar. Uh, of course, Maelstrom Resto on the back bar, like every Magicka character. <laughs> um, and two-piece Earthgore. Still not totally sold on Earthgore, but it's what I'm using for now because I can't come up with anything better. Um it works pretty well. It's kind of like you were talking about, Davius, with your with your Davius build. Uh, it's kind of hard to quantify the results. You just kind of have to trust that it's having a, a positive effect because uh, there's nothing really visually indicating that all these debuffs are getting applied to people uh, or anything like that. You just kind of get a sense, like, yeah, they seem weaker. You know, it seems like we're we're we have the upper <laughs> hand here. Seems like we're doing well. Um, yeah. So that's all I can do is just kind of trust that it's working. I mean, my team's staying alive. We're we're winning matches. I think I think it's working well. Um, so I'm I'm keeping with it. It it's great. I am kind of um, 
I am kind of considering dropping Heartland Conqueror and maybe exploring an alternative uh, because the charged fraud, the the charged trait got buffed, right? It's it's now yeah. doubled, and so now it's like it's pretty darn effective just on its own without Heartland uh, doubling it yet again. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe I would get more value out of something different, something I'm kind of thinking about. Heartland certainly isn't bad at all, but I feel like it does lose some value on that front bar with that charge trait because I feel like I only need that charge. I only need those status effects to be so good. I only need that that chance yeah. to be so good. Um, That's true. It could, it could open up the possibility of that uh, armor reduction set that you had looked at in the past. Yeah, it's a heavy armor set. It's the only problem, which that's that's a good thing, really, but I don't like heavy armor because Ken Marcher's heavy too. So then I would have no choice but to. Ooh, you would know, you would yeah, couldn't hide. Yeah, you couldn't hide from it. I'm using Heartland and and light. Uh, I only do light and medium builds. You're probably right. That probably would be actually the the move if I weren't if I was wasn't being stubborn on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this this new uh, uh, macro despair build you have pretty awesome. Uh, we we ran just to be trolly. You know, there's no <laughs> way other other way around it. Super trolly. We ran this build with the Davius build. Yep. So Davius was giving our team the massive buffs. Despair was just wrecking just all the debuffs for the other team. Yeah. And those were some fun matches. I'm uh, from our side. Those were just a heck of a lot of fun. I don't think they were that way on the other way, other team. But yeah, our two random teammates were just like unstoppable, <laughs> just, just gods for for 15 minutes. Uh, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty fantastic. It is. It is perfect. I ha- kind of have those polar opposites. Like you're all like yeah. cleansing and and purifying and giving and, and strengthening everyone, and I'm like decaying and tearing people down yes. and making them weak and just yeah, having both they deal, is cool. They deal less damage. They're taking more damage. Their heals are massively nerfed. Yeah. It's pretty great. That's cool. I, I think I've felt this way since Necromancers were introduced to the game. Uh, I think they are number one top tier support class uh, for Battlegrounds, hands down. Um, really, really good uh, for that. Just like we've said so many times, locking down an area, just claiming it and saying, this belongs yeah. to my team do something about it you know <laughs> i dare you uh, plus that intensive mender i know we've we've gone on and on about that but man that is just the most op ability surely will be nerfed one day i just can't believe it it's as strong as it is and has been for so long i don't really see people talking about it and i can't believe it man my my intensive mender costs it costs less than a thousand magicka to summon the dude and then he's doing an automatic 11k tooltip heal every two seconds I could just be blindfolded. I don't even have to be watching the screen. He's just going to be taking care of it. He's for you and your teammates. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's seriously kind of baffling that it's as strong as it is and, and has been for so long and that nobody complains about it. Well, I'm not complaining either. Yeah. I, I, lo- I love the ability. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to just talk about a little bit is I've been in the old guild hall making some adjustments. All right. In your natural habitat. In the natural habitat. Uh, so, first thing I gotta say is that the Guild Hall officially has Heartland Conquer and Stoons oh, yeah. stations now. We gotta do a special uh, shout out, right? Yeah, special shout out. Thanks to Danjavin. Yet again. Because of him. Yeah, yet again. You know, we're just he's gonna have multiple shout outs this episode. It's it's happening. One of these days this dude's gonna like call in some favors. He's like, All right guys, it's time. It's time. 
and you know what? Yeah, I gotta say, true, true student right there. Uh, true, true student goon right there, mm-hmm. Dangerman. He he gets it. He knows. He knew we gotta have that students in there. Gotta football. have students. He, in he there. gets it. It had to be in there. Now it's in there all as well. So you gotta you gotta you gotta tell the story. So we were talking on the last episode. Should we we got these uh, <laughs> these attunable crafting stations? Should we do the sensible thing and do Heartland, or should we go with the meme and make students favor? And then Davius nope. logs in, checks his mail. <laughs> Danjavin had sent him a whole new set of attunable crafting stations with a message that said, "Why not both? Why not both?" What a baller move, dude! Yeah, just fantastic, Legend. just awesome. And Legend. Let me and let me uh, emphasize the the first set of attunable crafting stations were also donated by Danjavin. <laughs> uh, also, yep. our uh, transmute station donated by Danjavin. Uh, so basically, our guild hall, Danjavin yeah, owns most just of it. Danjavin, aka Daddy Warbucks of Students. <laughs> yeah, seriously, thank you so much, dude. We we really appreciate it. So awesome. Can't can't say enough how much we appreciate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah. So we've got uh, we got two crafting stations going. So that was fun to to fit in there. Uh, I've got the new armory uh, area set up, and I'm actually utilizing that quite a bit. Uh, there's two target dummies right by it, so it's working well for testing. Uh, I've been I've been having some fun in the guild hall. The the only complaint I would have, and we we talked a little bit about this, is I need like double the amount of item inventory. For yeah, the guild hall. it maxes out at six hundred items, and I just I feel like I could just really do some really cool things. If they it seems just give like, me like that's overdue. Slots. It seems like we're way like, overdue for an increase on those slots. Yeah. Yeah, I I hate that every time I throw something in now, I've got to go find something to take out. I feel like it's really forced me to remove all of like the little small details that yeah. I had put in there originally. I've kind of had to take all those out, and those are kind of what made it cool. And so yeah, it's those little touches that really kind of makes it seem like a real lived-in space. Yep, I need I need more slots. Don't we all, brother? <laughs> 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 uh yeah that's so uh, that's that's what i've been up to in between bgs been hanging out in the old guild hall uh cool man yeah if uh any any goons out there or anyone who has davius on their friends list if you haven't checked out the guild hall uh right click on, on pcna right click on davius's name visit primary residence even if you don't utilize any of the stuff just go look around it's a it's a really cool setup davius Super duper talented uh, with with housing uh, setups and stuff like that. So definitely worth, if you're into housing, definitely worth taking a look, getting some ideas, some inspiration. Uh, check it out. Um, emails and shout outs. No emails this week, but we do have some shout outs. Of course, yet again, special shout out to Danjavin for the for the tran- or for the tunable crafting station. Thank you so much, dude. Uh, Grizzly Khan, shout out for joining us in chat tonight, man. Thanks for being there for us. Uh, and also yep. thanks for the reminder uh, about the CP reset that we got a couple of weeks ago. I was not aware that that was happening at all. Grizz gave us a heads up a, a day or two ahead of time. And so when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, Grizz said this was going to happen. And I, and I didn't freak out. So uh, <laughs> so thanks, Grizz. Um. We have a guild. It's called Stoons. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got we to throw a shout out for Dr. Professor, too. Oh. He also did. He had to leave a little bit early. You did leave early. That's why I forgot. Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Professor, also for joining us in the chat today. You've been absent uh, for a couple He takes a role of... at the end of the episode. Yeah, take a role at the end. 
yeah, you hadn't made it to a couple of episodes, so I was glad to see you pop in here and listen in for, for a while today. Always good to have you around, Dr. Professor. Um, we have a guild. It is called Stoons Goons. We are the best named guild on PCNA, also the official guild of the Scrollin' Podcast. I like it. How'd you feel about that one, Davius? I feel I feel like I feel like it's getting better. That was a solid it's plug. It's on the up and up. That's a solid plug. The official guild of the Scrollin' Podcast. That's that's like that's very official sounding. This this message brought to you by Ket, approved by Davius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll keep we'll keep finding things to to make that a good plug, and uh, just, that list is just gonna get longer and longer. Yeah, things that are technically true. We are not making any false claims. Uh, uh, if you'd like to be a member of the best named guild in the official guild of the Scrollin' Podcast, Stoons Goons, send us an email at scrollinpodcast at gmail and we'll get you in there. Oh, yeah. Also, just send us an email just about anything, right? Like, ask us a question, yeah. tell us a joke, tell a story. We, we technically did get an email, but it was a spam email. So we, uh, Yeah, there, we got a spam email. We decided not to read that one on the show. I almost did. I was, I was so one. excited <laughs> for an email to just show up in my inbox. I was going to read it anyway, but... Uh, suggestions for the show stuff that you think would be interesting to hear us talk about just say hello whatever you want scrollingpodcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you Uh, what else we got Davius anything else I think that's it alright see you in the Bee Gees thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time we'll see you then